Welcome to The Problem, a Lockwood & Co. podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm Alan. And today we are talking about the sixth episode, You Never Asked, which was directed by Catherine Morshed and written by Joy Wilkinson. I think this is the finale for Joy. <laughs> you get two and then we kick you to the curb. I think she I think she did three. She had a, a co-writing credit with someone else in an maybe the second episode I, i'm not remembering now but uh yeah she she put in her time that's pretty good i'm glad uh because we talked i mean i don't want to say we talked shit about the last episode but i think we made it clear that it was our least favorite and this one is one of my favorites i love a lot of the adaptation choices they made in this one even though this one is also kind of like they go here and do this it just feels i don't know it feels more cohesive this is a dense episode. I think the last one, it's like doing a lot of work. Um, yeah. And it, it does it just fine. It's just like you just feel the, you know, all the setup and stuff. But this one is like there is so much happening in this episode. It's really, oh, yeah. really dense. I had to pause it at one point before getting to the party. And I was like, oh, there's only 15 minutes left. But we have so much to do. Yeah. It's very busy. Yeah, but it it doesn't it doesn't feel that way though. Yeah, exactly. I w- I was surprised at how little left there was. Like it doesn't feel rushed or anything. No. Uh, and we do have our <laughs> Monsters Inc. themed beginning. Oh my god! I was gonna say the same thing. I <laughs> yeah. was like, the CDA is here. They, yeah. Down to the suits and everything. The <laughs> the weird truck. Yeah. I'm so glad I didn't think of this the first time I was watching the show. <laughs> because I would have lost totally all seriousness. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's all good. They uh I'm I'm really old, so I remember seeing E.T. in the movie theater, and all there's right. a kind of thing like that too yeah. in E.T. where there's like the scary FBI shows up in their scary suits and stuff. This has that vibe to it. Uh and then we see them salting the floor where the dead body was, which is a cool bit of world building. It's very cool, yeah. That's straight out of the book. I love in the book they like they're trying to give George all the statistics. Like you don't understand why we're doing this. He's like, dude, I'm an agent. Come on, I know. Uh, and then we have an interesting conversation with Barnes, where he seems to be like actually trying to make good decisions to keep the children safe, which yeah. is a new thing for him in the show, at least. <laughs> it's a new policy. It's. A- but then he lets the kids talk him out of it. Every time I'm struck by like how how different I've said this before, like how different Barnes is from in the book. Cause he has this like great leather jacket. Yeah. He's so like put together and has so much like authority and gravity to him. And like, it's just like, I don't know. Barnes in the books is a buffoon and an idiot. And uh, like this Barnes has poor judgment but like i get where his poor judgment comes from they i'm sure he has like at any given time he probably has like 30 cases that he's dealing with yeah and higher ups and yeah yeah no i love this Barnes. he's great um yeah. i i like that he almost says that he likes them yeah <laughs> but he's like that's too far i yeah. can't do that and he asks for lucy's opinion and then oh my god listens to her it's so good i i do like this scene so that moment, I feel like when he did that, and maybe this is just like I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt. I was like, oh, here's Barnes thinking that Lucy is the weak link again and that he can break the team mm. by using her. 
And then it like backfires on him because she's like, she has nothing bad to say. Like she just backs up the team's position. And then he's like, okay, I get, go for it. I guess whatever. Good luck. Hope you don't die. I, I, I didn't, I didn't think that. I thought she just hadn't been saying anything and he just wanted to make sure that they were all on board, but mm -hmm. could be either. Oh, he also here, and I mean, this is not the first time. I just wanted to bring it up because I haven't brought it up before. He says the word psychical, and that just, it just doesn't feel like a real wor word to me, but I don't <laughs> think it's made up for the show. No, no, that's Or a, for the books or whatever. Yeah, that's a, that's a word. It might be. It feels like Jonathan Stroud made it up, you know? It might be such a Britishism that it, that it feels, you know how sometimes they'll say words differently than normal people? <laughs> and then <laughs> I do, I do, yeah, yeah, and then it feels weird, and I feel like that's one of those words that might be like that. No, well, I mean, when I say it, it still sounds ridiculous, but I, I think know, we whatever. say paranormal. This might be like a flashlight uh, to torch kind of thing. I see, I see, that's fair. Um, and then as he's walking out with Ward. Uh, they're having like a conversation, but I do like that she says, you know, they're the ones with the talent. And then Barnes says, yeah, poor sods. Yeah, I wrote that down too. It's yeah. really good. It is good. And I like, it implies that Barnes has never had talent, even when he was young. Oh. Or at least when he was young, was not involved, like wasn't an agent. Uh -huh. And we do talk about a lot about how probably a lot of the adults in DPRAC were agents. Mm -hmm. so I don't know just interesting it's it's like a good conversation for their motivations and thoughts and stuff but also it's interesting to think about yeah it's definitely it gives a glimpse into his worldview about how he doesn't he sees these kids as all kind of cursed yeah there's there's just like you know no choice about how the world has to be because they have to keep everyone safe and these are the only people who can do it so like, I mean, we can assume you don't get to be an inspector without doing some grunt work. So probably he's seen a lot of kids die. Oh, yeah. A million kids. That's probably I mean, that's, you know, like you said, that's why he came here to be like, you're off the case. Yeah. And I, I want the Fitz people on it. Yeah, there's hundreds of them. We can lose some. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> and we get to see later they live in like the Bastille or something like it's the most, <laughs> you know. The most resource heavy I've, I've thing on earth. Wondered about that. Do we? I don't even know. Did we talk about this? I feel like I talked about this with somebody, but maybe I was just reading something about it. But like, do we think the Fitz kids sleep there, or do they go home? Like, oh no, I assume it's like a whole dormitory. That's what I think too. But all inclusive, yeah. Or maybe like I guess it might be a mix. Like if you want to go home, you can. But then you would probably think all the best like connections and stuff are made by the people who sleep there. So. Right, right. Yeah, it's and it's like a kind of nightmare capitalist scenario where you're like, you know, yeah. like you sleep where you're sleep and eat where your employer situation oh, is. Oh, God, too. there's no escape. Right, yeah. And dormitory, so there's no privacy. Yeah. This, in fact, it's probably like the higher up you go in the organization, the more privacy you get. Yeah, yeah, of you course. You know what I mean? Because you've internalized the, like, you're your own police and all that yep. kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, total nightmare. Oof. All right. Lockwood looking at the death glow. Let's move yeah, on. Yeah, I really from like that. 
and then up at the mysterious door. It's cool too because the like the salt doesn't dispel that, mm-hmm. and it now it's in his home. It's gonna be there. Like you know, how often does he see that thing after this? Yeah, and it's like you know the person died of a murder, and so it's just like more likely. That's why they came in the first place, and it's so dangerous and everything. It's just like a really good acknowledgement of like after everything is all the people are done and gone. Like he has to live with this thing. I also like how the lighting at that point kind of goes almost black and white. It becomes like really desaturated and he closes the door and it rolls into the credits. Yeah, it's good. And you can just see that he is suppressing a lot. I I love this juxtaposition with later on him saying something very emotionally intelligent to Lucy. Oh, yeah. He's really great. He's very closed off. And I just also wrote down that this feels like the shortest lead into the credits that we've had because so often it's like 10 minutes um i'm not sure if that's accurate i did not go back and count because i'm not that crazy yet um but <laughs> i do have some like time stamps in here just because like well a i am crazy. because you are that crazy yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and b it was it was like i just started to notice when i was analyzing the episode i was like damn this thing is like just dense like there's you know, like the other episodes, as I'm reading along in the book, and I complained about like how the third episode is like half of a book, but yeah. that's like a different situation. I think this book is broken up. There's not only chapters, but there's parts like part one, part two, almost like acts. They they fall like right where the act breaks would be in story plotting. And yeah. this episode contains two parts and like several chapters in like 40 minutes. And I I don't think that it does so in a like, we already said, like in a belabored way or anything, but it's just like moving. Just like you said, like it's just whoosh. It it really sort of covers two major moments, like the going to Bickerstaff's mansion and going to the party. And it really just cuts out all the superfluous stuff that we had. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. I do miss the like Lockwood team versus Fitz team or Kip's team. How we get in the book, but it's pretty childish, so I understand why they cut it. Don't do they come to the house now? I'm now I'm not remembering. Yeah, they exactly. do. They they yeah. follow them to bigger staff's house. That's oh yeah yeah yeah. That's that all of that stuff. Like they work together basically for the first well, time. Well, but like, like they don't. Lockwood they totally is forced don't. into it, and then yeah. nobody actually does anything. Yeah, yeah. Which is a yeah. That's part of the the whole arc of what's going on more in the book than in the show. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Breakfast Mm -hmm, with the mm -hmm. team. Yep. We're in the kitchen. I really love the light that's going on in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. The door is open, which I also really like. There's like a side door by the fridge. It's a terrible place for a door, (laughs) but I don't know. Well, they designed it to work on camera, not to work as a room. Yeah. You know, it's beautiful. This yeah. like, orange yellow light. I'm always because like this is a set, so I'm always surprised when they can use their lights to accurately represent the sun. Yeah, because it, I know lights don't usually look like the sun, but somebody knows what they're doing. Uh, George lies about what happened to the window. <laughs> I love Lucy's sweater, and we learn about Mary Dulac. Mary Dulac, yeah, she gets mentioned for the first time. This is more like I remember reading the book. And I, like, oh, good, another name. 
of a character <laughs> I haven't met. I don't know. Why do we need to know about this person? Uh, but it is important because it's going to give us insight into what was happening with the mirror. So yes. she's like an eyewitness to its effects, basically. It's also like creepy. Like she disappeared for 10 years and then reappeared just like completely insane. This is, yeah, the prototypical ghost horror story kind of stuff. You know? Oh, yeah. This episode has a lot of that. Uh, and George seems like very into the mirror. <laughs> Lucy's just like, what can it do Dr apart from drive you mad and kill you? Like, well, why are you so interested in it? Yeah. But, but then the skull talks, so she quickly doesn't care what George is going through. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't follow that up. I think this is significant, too, because of the lighting uh, that Skull is able to talk in daylight. Oh, yeah. With all the sun coming in, that it's like, that really speaks to, like, how powerful he is. Yes. That is addressed in the books, that the Skull does show up during the day, but it it felt... I feel like it's addressed later and it felt like a fan had written to Jonathan Stroud, you know, and said, but why? Yeah, you're breaking and so that he rules. put something in the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But that's just how it felt. Yeah. That kind of stuff's fine. I I don't yeah. know. Like, yeah, I, I think it I don't works. care. Yeah. This works really well here, I think, uh, to just like speak to how powerful he is and they... And Lockwood is like, the skull is talking. And George is like, what? Yeah. And we find out that the skull knew Bickerstaff and worked for him. Um, and that we're going to go check out Bickerstaff's house for some more information. And he calls him master. This yeah. is where we learn that probably Skull's real name was Igor Henchman. <laughs> so... Uh, we never do learn Skull's real name. No, I know. But it seems like he's probably that type of dude or something. Yeah. Um, and then this is another day when the time just disappears because it was morning. They were eating breakfast. I mean, I guess technically it could have been evening. And that was like oh, a like setting sun, sun was setting? and not a rising sun. Because oh, A, that makes more sense for Skull. That. And it makes more sense for the timeline because it was so late when they got in. And the, huh. yeah, 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 yeah. Prac, like they went so to they, bed during yeah. the credits. Yeah. Okay. So this actually fixes that problem for me. I think that's, that's probably right. That's how we're supposed to read uh, it. Real time brains turning on. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I like before they leave while they're, while they're packing stuff up that Lucy just seems so happy that yes, George is on board. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, this is a great scene because like you said, George is on board. So it gives them that team yeah. uh, feel again, which we love. Lucy loves. Everyone loves. Um, and also, okay, I have to say a thing, but I have to put in a disclaimer first. Oh, okay. The disclaimer being that I am an old <laughs> <laughs> and these actors are all quite young. And so I don't like I can say that they are objectively attractive people but they are children to me i am not attractive oh, yeah. to them yeah. right now that being said 
having like a nice button up shirt on, but then casually rolling up the sleeves is like the sluttiest thing a man can do. <laughs> He's getting ready for work. Yeah. And Lockwood is rocking that here and it's good. I did not notice this move on his part. I feel like that is a thing that Stroud writes in the book uh, every once in a while about different characters. That, that they're sluts? That they're, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. The, that the men are making that move, that they like unbutton the cuff and, and, and are roll rolling it up. up the sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I get the impression that Jonathan Stroud is a straight man. So yeah. I don't, and I've never gotten the impression that straight men are aware that people attracted to men enjoy that. No, I hadn't. This is the, the first time I'm hearing this, actually. Yeah, right? No so, idea. yeah. Um, I also just think it's funny because he is sort of casually wearing the shirt, and then, but then as they're packing everything up, but he does stop before they leave to, like, put on a, put tie, on a tie properly yeah. and his jacket. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Lockwood. I noticed that, too. Uh, anyway, it's just a really – it's also a good scene because, like, they're acting and packing and I don't know. That must be complicated. <laughs> feels to me oh yeah yeah there's a lot going yeah it's dense just like this whole episode yeah. yeah and they're not just like shoving stuff into a bag they're like looking at it shaking some things like i don't know it's just good i like it mm-hmm. making yeah, it feel real and then yeah when we actually go to the mansion this is when i started checking times and i was like oh man we're only seven minutes in like we would get credits at this point in other episodes and we're Wild. yeah we're already through deep rack we're like talk to skull we're at a haunted house it's like boom just move it for the the previous scene though i did also write down just how much lockwood is being like it's your choice lucy whatever you want our thoughts and opinions are just dirt (laughs) yeah i thought that was a little weird i don't know i don't know if that piles more pressure on her or if he's trying to be like look how i'm giving you the spotlight the way that i said it's hard for me to do I, I kind of feel like it was making up for taking for when he like went on the news and started talking about her and right. like taking that choice away from her. It's kind of him being saying, I respect your choices. Yeah, because George is like really playing with all of yeah. that at the same time. Yeah. In a way so, that's good. That's how I interpreted that. I don't know if that's how they meant it, but it was funny. And then the skulls in the backpack. I love skull in the backpack. Yeah, that's good stuff. I feel like they need a custom... They need to work out some kind of custom job for him. You know, like, yes. they just stuff him in a backpack, which is fine. But, like, over time, there needs to be something else happening for Skull. Well, hopefully they'll get the props department on that for yeah. the alleged, maybe, season breaking into Bickerstaff's house. Yep. Uh, uh, a big change from the book, because in the book they had they had like Deeprex full cooperation with going to check out Biggerstaff's house, and they like it was a whole thing. Yeah, they don't not have permission here. They uh, they literally break open the fencing and sneak in. So yeah, I, think... <laughs> I mean they're still officially on the case, though they're not that's, like that's true. They're not going behind his back, I guess, is what I mean. But yeah, there's it's a totally different thing. And then the book, there's like a lot of time spent being like, well, why don't we go there in the daytime? And then it's like, because we could find out more if we don't. And it just doesn't seem to be a consideration here. And then, like you said, the whole Kip's team showing up is like a thing, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is a much bigger thing in the book, and they compress it down in a way that, yeah, makes it more about maybe, I'm not totally sure what's going on here, if it's Lucy's, not insecurities, but like, Lockwood just put all this, see what I see it as pressure, but like, when people trust me and say like, I care about you, to me, that's pressure, (laughs) then then I'm like, oh, don't... (laughs) don't lean on me because then I have to like live up to that. So like that might just be my own psychosis uh, reading into this, but like she, she puts a lot of like effort into, I need to protect you. So you have to stay at the doorstep and I'm allowed to die, but you're not allowed to die. I, I didn't read it that way. I read this more like I read. So first of all, I think they're taking the scene from the book is very much about the two teams clashing and who's going to get it or who's going to find the information and blah, 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 blah. Right. And I think they made this scene about Lucy and the skull, right? Because this is the first time that we see them working together. That's a good point, yeah. So, and I think that's important. Um, and then, it so it felt to me when she said, you know, you guys stay here, even though the skull was saying, send them ahead. We don't care about them. They can die. That felt more about establishing the dynamics between Lucy and Skull. Yeah, there's like a tug of war there. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And he's like a whole, I say he, like whatever. But it, you know, Skull is like a whole person mm-hmm. with a personality and goals and like, you know, the whole thing. And so, yeah. yeah, that that's a good point that we're dealing with like his motivations. What does he really want? What's going on here? And I do like, like, the skull says to Lucy that he's in charge because he knows what's going on. And then out loud, Lucy says, I'm in charge to all three of them. (laughs) I guess with no context, it would be interesting to, like, do an edit of that where it's just the way that George and Lockwood experience it. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds pretty crazy. And then uh, this bit where, or in a bit when Lucy, like, gets trapped in the room and the, the ghosts come out, this is, so... I am roommates with my sister and this is where she like came home from work or something and the first time I was watching and sat down in the living room and watched it with me and as soon as the coats appeared she was like nope (laughs) nope (laughs) she had no idea what was going on it's genuinely scary (laughs) it is creepy these are the worst ghosts I think in the show in terms of like they're like very actually scary yeah and oh when she can hear the sawing at the table that's really bad too yeah if you have headphones on, it's the worst. Yeah. I do not like that at all. Yeah, it sounds Ugh. very real. There's a good moment when she was walking down a hallway where Skull is like, I'm home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Skull, you're such a weirdo. I love, I feel like they cut out so much of Skull being a weirdo because he is a weirdo in the books, but he's he's a endearing, well... I, he maybe he's not endearing, but he's endearing to me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I like any time that he's a weirdo in the show. Yeah, it's good. It yeah, he just like has such a big personality when they're in this part of the house. Yeah. Then when she uh, can hear the table, there's also the moment before she goes into the room where there's like she can sense all of the rich men in the room and it, it reminds me of Coom Carey and how you were saying yep. that like in the book they did experiments and stuff and like that they we're back to rich people doing experiments in their house kind of a theme here yeah um, 
That's actually super interesting because this one happened pre the problem. Way before, yeah. And so it's interesting to think about how, how like ghosts must have existed before. Or, yeah, or something. They were like, the rich were always interested. And I think this like goes back to the, the rant that I had in that same Coombe Carey episode of like, the rich are interested in like, conquering death and i think we'll see more of this at the fitz mansion or whatever yes that yeah they're... i have more to say on this like throughout the episode <laughs> yeah so, interesting. so i think this is like their first maybe not first but like it's definitely a dip into like the rich people in this part of england being like we can master death and like turn it into a thing that serves us or or mm-hmm. whatever it's so hard not to talk about spoilery book things, so let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, when she opens the trap door, I wrote down, I get that she's an agent and it's their job to go into the creepy places. But no. Why would you go in there? Just yeah. no. <laughs> How do you build this thing? Um it's really it's really something. And to have it on the in the fireplace. It's funny too, I have a fireplace in my house and uh there's a thing in the floor of the fireplace that kind of reminds me of this, that where you're supposed to like let the ashes fall down oh, right, the yeah. chute. And I was like, that's just the ash chute. That's not. But if it if it opened the way that it does in this thing, it would like fling the logs fling all over the, the place. Ever, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it it's smart though, because the trigger is on the table, on the operating table. So you wouldn't think that they were connected. So you probably wouldn't accidentally do it. Yeah, God, that table's creepy. It's very it's very weird and that it's like built into the floor. Ge- yeah, George is a genius to ever figure this out. Yeah. Without being told. I like to think maybe like cuz the floor must have been dusty, so there Lucy's footprints would have been there, right? Oh yeah, she's also banging on the thing at, at that point. Yeah, 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 so they know she's in there. But there's, you know, it's it goes back to the idea of like the secrets are under the house. They're like Un- mm. everything is like under or like that kind of stuff that's like you know your psychology it's like all under the surface and repressed that's where all the the secrets are so she's got to go underground to do it i also wonder if this is like i mean i know that the notes are down here and this is what skull brought her here for but i also wonder if he's maneuvering her into a not exactly a trap, but a desperate situation where she, she would to... need to release him. Yeah. Yeah. That makes put, sense. Put it, I do. If that, even if that wasn't the plan, I get the idea that, or I get the feeling that Lucy felt like it was. Yeah. I think that's what causes the break in their relationship here. There's also yeah. a moment here where last episode, you were like, why would she have a lighter? And I was like, well, because electric light doesn't work sometimes. And then she like lights a lantern proving, oh no, wait, this was the opposite of what I'm saying. I was going to say, wait, you said that. No. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching this and I was like, oh, Caitlin is exactly right. (laughs) She like needs to light a lantern. My memory is so bad. I was like, wait, did I? I, Yeah. I'm gaslighting as we're talking about it. Wonderful. Good. Um, they also, when George and Locke would go after her, there's a moment where they open a door and some birds come out. And I guess I'd forgotten that that was going to happen because while I was taking my notes, that scared the shit out of me. 
<laughs> I literally the I I watched it a little bit before the podcast and I literally laughed at that part because I was like, what? How long have these birds been here? How did they get there? What? Oh yeah, uh, no, I did. I just I genuinely jumped. I was like, oh, or maybe I just wasn't paying attention to what was happening because I was you know writing down notes. <laughs> it's know. just to amp up the. It's a total jump scare. It's that's yeah, it what is. it is. It's to and it worked on me. Yeah. But Lucy gets the notes, Lockwood and George get her out of there, and Lockwood has a great throwing a bomb over his shoulder moment and gets it in the hole. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. It's very suave. I always remember in one of the interviews, uh, Cameron Chapman talked about one of the reasons he wanted to do the role, because Lockwood is so cool. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so anytime he gets to be cool on screen, I just think, oh, Cameron must have loved that. That's like... <laughs> He's asking the director, what if I did it cooler? Could yeah. You- <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Yeah, they save her. I like they run outside and George tells her, you're incredible. Anytime oh, yeah. he's nice to her. I am. I always like that. Yeah, because she got the notes and you can just see the light in George's face. He's A like, book. oh, yes, the research <laughs> is on. And research that nobody else has about, you know, ghosts from before the problem. Like, this is his, this is his shit. Uh, I do want to point out that Lockwood and Lucy hold hands here again. And also oh. he's holding the skull for her. I did not notice this. Did he, he takes the backpack? Or he has sure. the jar? I don't know. Uh, the backpack, I think, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, they go, go home. home. Yeah. Nice. Um... There's uh, footprints in the house. Yes. That don't belong there. We're already to the flow scene. Again, this is like right out of the book. I do love that she has a key to the house. I think that that says a lot about what her relationship with Lockwood is or how long she's had a relationship with Lockwood, that he just gave her a key. (laughs) She says this thing that like every time I watch the show of never throw away a key... Mm-hmm. that I have felt for my entire life because I grew up <laughs> playing video games. And it's right, like, yes. You have to. <laughs> keys are important. Um, I still have, like, keys that I have randomly found on the ground, and I will pick them up and put them on my key ring. I have a lot of keys on my key ring. See, I can't stand an overly crowded key ring. Yeah. I have two keys. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I think my that's good. My front door and my back door. Yeah. I don't drive, so I don't have a car key. I don't keep them for like any kind of compulsive reason. It is it is what she says. There's like this opens something somewhere and you just never know. Like maybe I'll be able to open a thing later and I wouldn't have been able to if I hadn't picked up that key when I was on that walk. I love Flo giving Lockwood shit about not ever updating the decor in his house. And how that's the right. It almost feels like, yeah, it's it's like a double-sided insult because it's like if you would have applied your aesthetic to it, it would have ruined it. But also yeah. I'm calling you like lazy or something. I think she's trying to, in a roundabout way, point out that maybe you have problems, sir, and you should address them. Yeah, you're repressed. Yeah. 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 But obviously that goes right over Lockwood's head. And then there is a conveniently timed uh, envelope delivery. Yeah, yeah. Lucy goes into the hallway. She, I don't think that she's trying to eavesdrop, but it just 
happens. No, I don't think she's trying to. She, I don't think she even knows Flo is there. It just sort of happens, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't think she was in the hallway for the reason of eavesdropping is what I'm saying. And then yes. she realizes, oh, there's a female voice talking to Lockwood. Uh, I care about this, but won't admit to myself why. And she does, of course, overhear that Flo knows about the mystery room. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. knows more about it than Lucy does. Yeah. So that's fun. And then she walks away and doesn't eavesdrop on Flo having Winkman info. Yeah. She, like, offers Lockwood to be, like, you can hide out at the houseboat or, like, this other place. Like, she's holding up keys for each one, which I really, really mm-hmm. like the, yeah. how all that goes. Um, does she want him to run away or is she? Um, I think she's just pointing out that he would never. I think she's still trying to subtly point out that, sir, you need to address some things with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Get on good terms with yourself. Oh, but you'd rather go on a suicide mission tonight? Okay, I'll help. Surprising. Yeah. yeah. Let me try to make sure you don't die. Yeah, and he's like, I could kiss you. And she's like, save your kisses for that What's other... her face? Yeah. And then he says, who? And kisses then she says... <laughs> George, obviously. <laughs> um, and then she says, you're acting different around her. And then he drops the... The pretense that he doesn't know who she's talking yeah. about. And just denies it. And it's like, sure, Lockwood. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's locked up. He's yeah. he's very locked. He's very repressed. And then George comes in and him and Flo are immediate on the same side. I love this moment between Flo and George. This is beautiful. This is a really yeah. good. I don't It's not a meet cute, but it's like the introduction of two characters in a connection. Yeah. And I like that it, because, you know, in episode one, you really saw that Lockwood and Lucy had an immediate connection. So I like that they gave that to Flora uh, and George, yeah. too. Had an immediate, like, oh, mm-hmm. it's good. Especially, like, I apparently, when I was reading the books the first time, I, I would like to disclaimer that I was listening to them while I was working. <laughs> so it took me until book five to pick up on Flora and George. Oh, wow and literally in book five you cannot avoid it (laughs) but i just remember being like oh i was so oblivious (laughs) he's very interested in her right away in the yeah oh no i've reread the book since then like or just sort of gone through them because of our podcast and i've been like oh i was stupid (laughs) (laughs) it's obvious there's a lot of words <clears throat> thrown around here that I don't understand that like I turned on the captions and I was like, mm-hmm. what are they talking about food wise? But uh, yeah, I just don't know. I guess he made the I'm going to because I'm American, the cookies that she's eating. Um, and I just assumed that they were like store bought because they were in a tin. But then I was like, oh, but you could make things and put them in a tin. That is a possibility. So. I guess he made those and they're I'm I'm assuming that they are like from his you know like mixed heritage they're not like uh you know what I mean like the words that they use are not English words and so yes obviously yeah I 100% meant to google it yeah Uh, but I did not so now we are just ignorant (laughs) um that's great that's a great look for us. 
I like that, but I like that he, I don't know. There's like a, a little bit of, so on one front, I think there's like some autistic, like I'm interested in cooking and I get to like share my hyper focus with anyone joy that George is feeling here. But then there's also a little bit of masculine, like preening of like, I'm really good at this. Look at my talent. Um, that's happening simultaneously. I, I do also think there's a little bit of like we can gang up on Lockwood bonding. Yeah. Because George yes. immediately calls him Lockie. Lockie. <laughs> and she's into that. She's like, okay, that's funny. Yeah, it's good. And then they just like stare at each other for a moment and Lockwood <laughs> looks like, oh God, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And uh, this is the moment where I realized that we almost get like the whole team together in this episode because we've got Flo and Skull. Yeah, they're just a little bit out of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we're just missing two people. Mm. Well, I mean, Kips is in this episode, but he's not really part of the team yet. Yeah, we'll get to him. Uh, And she says, I'll see you tonight at 1130, which again, just underlines for me how crammed everything yeah. is this, this all episode. happens in a day it's wild do they sleep i guess not certainly lucy doesn't because she has to go shopping she has to go shopping yeah yep we then we go to my note here for the what the scene is is the george conspiracy wall it's so good so in like all of the interviews like all of them uh ali has talked about this toad prop that's in his room and how much he loves it that he called franklin so whenever we're in here i try to find it and i never can and it pisses me off oh i yeah i've not so i have avoided like all behind the scenes type stuff uh which is like the opposite of what a good podcaster should do but in my mind this somehow makes me i think this is like english major influence it it makes me somehow clean from the influence of the <laughs> of the creators oh that's um, interesting because most of the questions they answer are like not even about the show they just do stupid stuff it's good. a lot it's of like fun trivia. yeah yeah it's i should watch that stuff but yeah. this makes more sense to me now that i see the the twitter things about franklin the toad on online yes <laughs> yeah like okay and somehow it must have been very like it comes up in almost every interview that they do so that's funny they must have really loved that toad yeah the I think this is weird that they're, I, the, these notes are, I guess, from the late 1800s, or I don't remember if we put a date to this. Something stuff. like that, yeah. Yeah, and they're like illustrated, they're, and they're not in English. And so, like, I guess these are woodblock prints, but they're not from a printer's press. Like, I, I'm confused about everything about these notes. They look cool. Yeah, they look really cool. Uh, We can assume that, like, the notes part, like, that What's-His-Face Bickerstaff was collecting all this ghost information. Uh And so some of it is stuff that he collected, and then some of it is stuff that he wrote. Yeah, yeah. Right, because he wasn't taking the time to make wood blocks for printing Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, where did these come from? 
that's what yeah that's what interests me i was like yeah so i think this is super interesting um from like a how did we get to the problem thing because all of his information is correct he learns how to make sources which is how to make a ghost basically right Mm -hmm. and he he does it accurately which does mean that ghosts existed before the problem the problem is just exacerbating them like I don't right. know if that's the right word or if I said it right. But like like there's so many more now. And I think that they did talk about that in the books too briefly. Because they talk about like a Greek thing, ghost. I don't maybe that's a later book. I don't remember. Oh um, yeah. No, I remember that. Where right. yeah, it's in the first book, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like just the like first haunting ever, yeah. One ghost. Yeah. As opposed to right now when there's hundreds every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so it's, it's yeah. yeah. Somebody is like has done actual research that he's building on. This is like how science yeah. works. It's like the progress of standing on previous science scientists, you know, work and and building off of it. So yeah, I I think the woodblock prints are part of that because they like signal to you that like these aren't hand-drawn, you know, naturalist notes or something yeah. like that. He's like Like George is building on Bickerstaff, and Bickerstaff was building on other people. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then we find out that he was killing off his patients by cutting off pieces of them bit by bit so that they would definitely become ghosts. This sounds like a cool dude, and I'm so happy that his <laughs> coast, ghost is giant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like final boss level yeah. evil. Yeah. My note on this part is uh, using trauma to manufacture power over life and death capitalism Oof. pilled jesus yeah um lucy doesn't want to ask the skull for help so george recommends getting joplin in to help and then i love how lockwood and lucy immediately become teenagers again and just give him shit about having dinner <laughs> with joplin like it was just leftovers guys like forget this crazy depressing disturbing shit we just talked about <laughs> you had dinner with an adult woman she wanted she wanted me to sit in this chair something about mirrors i don't know it was like... <laughs> the house was maybe falling apart it was creepy it was really weird um and then we learned that mary dulex published confessions are in the black library at fitz yeah, so this is pretty important. We've set up why the MacGuffin matters and now where the MacGuffin is. So yeah. luckily, we have a way to get in. And Lockwood is like, who cares? Because we can't do anything about it. And Lucy is like, oh, no, no. There's uh, a ball and we're invited. And it's tonight because that's when you get an invite to a ball. That's how invitations work Yeah, in high society. Well, there, I'm sure that invitations really did go out earlier, but... Is this because they met at the uh, funeral and... Oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah. This is because of Coombe Carey, yeah. yeah. But, and I guess just, I, mean, I guess that makes sense because the accelerated timeline in the show versus the books. Right. That's fair then, I guess. It's been a fine. couple of days. Yeah. Yes, fine. I forgive it. <laughs> I like how Lockwood, and this is very like book, Lockwood energy because so much of Lockwood from the book has been subtracted from the TV character. Yeah. But this is like Lockwood has these strong pivots in the book sometimes where there's like, there's no hope. We can't do anything. 
And then you get one bit of information and Lockwood like has a master plan assembled in seconds. Yeah. And so he's like, gives George his orders, gives Lucy the orders and says, here's what we're going to do for the whole night and go do what I said. (laughs) Including Lucy has to go shopping. Right. Because at the bottom of the invitation, it says formal attire. And then we, we cut to her like walking back from the shopping. She has like four bags. I'm like, what did you buy? Yeah. I <laughs> hope have... Lockwood paid for this. Oh, I do too. Um, because of like, you, you needed a dress. Sure. Did you just buy? F- and like, I could see where maybe she bought some shoes, except later on, she just puts her boots on. So I assume she did not buy fancy shoes. But oh, I didn't notice in that. the four bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a lot of bags. Did she just buy four dresses and choose one? I mean, that makes sense, I guess, except that that's expensive. She puts uh, on some makeup, too. She might have bought makeup. Um, I, I guess, mean, she always I has just, makeup on, but. She does a little bit more here, yeah. yeah. I guess as somebody who does walk, as I mentioned earlier, I don't drive. You would condense the bags, you know? You would just throw the makeup in with everything else. right. Whatever. The four bags doesn't make any sense to me, and I got really hung up on it, apparently. <laughs> it's just a visual indicator that, like, time has passed. She did the thing. Yeah. We don't need to. It's like visual exposition. And then we get Kips. Yeah. So I think I think there's, like, a disjunction happening here mm-hmm. between writing and acting, maybe. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm totally wrong. Uh, but I feel like between the um, the invitation and like what happens later and stuff, I feel like Kips is here because Penelope either wants to just wreck Lockwood and Co. or like steal Lucy. Like, I think he's here to be a spy or like to lure her away from the team. Yes. Yeah. And not the way that I originally interpreted this as like pure romantic attraction on his part. Oh, to you Lucy. Think, and I feel like that's the way the okay. actor plays it is like, I I don't feel like he's acting like he's really interested in Lucy, that he is really interested in Lucy. And so it like is confusing to me, but this just might be like my personal dumbness so so what you're saying that penelope told him to lure lucy away but he is actually attracted to lucy no i feel well yes i feel like she did tell him to do that but Uh that the way the actor plays the scene Mm -hmm. as is if um that's not his mission but that he has been hanging around their house hoping to see lucy because he is smitten He's genuinely nervous and like he does hopeful. seem very nervous. Yeah, yeah, like it's so I, awkward. The, yeah, <laughs> he does a great job. The actor yeah. of like the, his energy and stuff. It just seems so genuine to me that it doesn't come off as like any kind of a ploy or a plan. It's only later, and then you like watching these episodes closely that I was like, oh no, wait, I think he's part of a larger multi-vector plan to try and like tear Lucy away from Lockwood as an organization. Yeah. I mean, it could be both, but I, I just feel like the actor is just playing this very 
real. I don't know. I I I definitely well like definitely Penelope told Kips probably Penelope is as delusional here as Barnes and thinks that Kips and Lockwood and Co are like friends beneath the bickering. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was like, "You're friends with Lucy. Go talk to her. Convince her to join us." <laughs> and good. then uh, Kips the <laughs> right, and then Kips thought. Uh, you know, I'll make this seem like my idea <laughs> because that's a good plan. I That's the stupidest bit, actually, because I feel like if he had said Penelope wants you to come work for Fitz, that would have been way more flattering to Lucy. Yeah, that's what I mean, is like just the vector of this is like, I, unless this is like a move that Kips has is, is like I'm dashing and charming and... Can, he doesn't seem dashing and charming here, he though. He doesn't. He seems I, vulnerable and like yeah. upset, and uh, it's like I don't. It feels very real. Like I said, yeah. I literally wrote down that this is like he's asking her out, but it seems like this is the worst that he has looked ever in the yeah. series. I don't know if they actually did something different to how he looks, or if it is just the acting. <laughs> but it it was funny. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But then Lucy is just like, uh, no, no, no. I, it, you know, I have other people. I know. <laughs> yeah. This is out of left field for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first time I watched this, I was like, what? I was right there with her. I was like, yeah. what is happening? Especially since this was not a thing at all in the books. Kips right. doesn't look at Lucy twice. Yeah, and I wonder if long term in the show, if they were like, we could have this dynamic happen over three seasons or something, if we could milk tension in this or anything, or if it's only for this episode, I don't know. Yeah, I do like, I mean, I'm going to talk about it later, but I do like that they talk about it almost right away. Like, the, they don't keep this suppressed. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> Because Lockwood can't handle it. Yeah. Um, because he is, what we see here is that Lockwood is like looking down at all of this from the window. He can't hear them, but he can see something yeah. is happening. And I do like when he asks her to go to the party with him, she's just like, I'm going with, and she stops. And then he says, Lockwood, she's like, and George, and mm -hmm. George. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're all being very real with ourselves here. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then as she walks away from him, a song plays. The song that plays here is Ass by uh, English Teacher, but Ass is spelled A-5-5. Oh, okay. Why? I don't know. I'm not cool. <laughs> this probably has to do with, like, censorship. Oh, maybe. Yeah, and we see, like you said, Lockwood watching from the window does not look happy. Mm -mm. Oh, Worried. and I love... Yeah, maybe just a little. Uh, I love when Lucy walks in and George calls Joplin by her first name. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Lucy's like, oh. Pamela. Yeah, George is going to get shit about that forever. Yeah. It feels very brother-sister energy. Yes, it does. Yeah, and he's like sweeping up the floor and stuff. There's a line in the in the lyrics about like sweeping the floor and going yes. to the door. Yeah, yeah, that's that good. This like coincides with Lockwood going to the door with at George. the landing. Yeah. Well, no, oh. it it it, co it goes from George, and then when Lockwood is at the door, oh, to yeah, the yeah. landing. I, ju 
I just noticed that George was sweeping and then the sweeping line. But then you're right. You're, yeah, George, uh, Lockwood approaches the mystery door. Yeah, the editing is good to the to the song. I appreciated yeah. that. And this is like halfway through the episode and still like all this stuff has happened. It's like yeah, 20 something like minutes. Half my notes left. This is yep. insane. We get Lucy in the blue dress. Mm-hmm. And in her feels about Nori missing out on fulfilling their dreams. Yeah. I think she literally says that she's living their life. Um, She says she feels like she stole it from her. Yeah. Because it was her idea when Lockwood comes in. It's sad. And I like that this, like, uh, Lockwood says, you know, you never said anything. And she says you never asked. And I think that uh, Lucy withholding it mixed with, you know, what the actual problems are or what the actual, what actually happened with Nori. Lockwood realizing that maybe the two of them have more in common than he previously thought. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. And this is where we get the episode name from too. Um, Yes. Never asked. Um, and then Lockwood has an emotionally intelligent thing to say to Lucy here where, you know, he says, I'm sure she would want you to live life for the both of them and have some fun. And it's like, maybe apply that to your own life a little bit, Lockwood. What? Look in the mirror. No. What do we say? No therapy, only bad choices. Yes, exactly. No therapy, <laughs> only bad choices. Um, and then he gives her the necklace. And I do love that they made it more of a moment here in the show. Because in the books, it's literally just like, Lucy, you look great. George, you could use some work. Lucy, here's a necklace. The cab's waiting. Let's go. Didn't happen. Never talk about the necklace again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's literally like an accessory because you're poor. I'm not. And this would Okay, I don't think it is that. But... (laughs) I think it's like the exact same thing it is here. Although, oh, really? I mean, like, the Kip's but, thing is involved that he's just like, I want to give her something, but we're not going to talk about it. Here's a necklace. Goodbye. Let's go. Oh, like it's really repressed. It, yeah. Yeah. It felt to me like he was dressing her for the for the event in a way of like, you. I guess if you want to be cynical better. about it. I don't know. I don't I don't feel strong vibes from them in the first two books, if I'm honest, about like anything very romantic um lockwood is like cooler like emotionally cooler and like aloof and and has more distance he cares about uh the two of them about you know george and lucy but it it doesn't it's not like in the show no that's they're also like younger in the books and then and more time passes yeah so it it makes more sense for them to get to it slowly i guess but I don't know. It didn't feel like he was dressing her up, though, to make her look better. Because he doesn't he doesn't really give George that hard of a time. And the book emphasizes what a mess George is. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't I don't trust people with money, I guess. I don't give them the benefit of the doubt. That's fair. Yeah, um, he yeah. asks her, like, when he comes up, if she's okay. And then at the end, asks her if she's okay again. Yes. Because she's not said anything about Kips, I feel yep. like. Yeah. He's oh, yeah. fishing he's, here. You can see the terror in his eyes. Yeah. He's not happy. Um, I did want to mention that I love that this show avoided like a typical, you know, like 90s transformation moment 
mm-hmm. you know, where she put on a nice dress and now suddenly Lockwood is attracted to her. He's like, oh, you're female. I, I didn't know that before. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, A, we've seen that Lockwood is already into her. And they have like a moment where they're like, oh, you look nice. They don't say it, but you can see it in their eyes. Um, but they don't have like a horrible oh now you're a woman worth my attention (laughs) yeah where it's like oh all of your it's it's yeah it's really bad because we've already gone through the asset thing and it would be like oh you're more desirable now because of the way yeah your your looks and everything they have a connection that's way deeper than that anyway yeah so So, we don't need that and i think it i think it probably would have been very tempting to make like when he walks upstairs to make that more of a moment where they just stare at each other so but i'm very glad they didn't yeah you know this is directed by a woman written by a woman yeah. and i i feel like that is an influence that shows. here yeah. yeah um and also of course like lockwood just looks like every other day lockwood <laughs> <laughs> he does Formal have a normal yeah he does have a normal tie on not a knitted tie which i personally appreciate um but yeah other than that i'm sure it's just the same things his, he would wear to a case his coat is like a like a three button jacket i think and he doesn't have does he wear his long jacket i don't remember i don't think he that. does yeah it's a little bit more but it, yeah, it basically is, it the is same. yeah yeah, and George um, does not go. This is a big change from the book. It's the second time that the TV show writers were like, George is here in the books, but actually we want romantic tension, so we're going to kick him out. Yeah, <clears throat> it makes a lot of sense for him to go in the book because he worked there and they need to, the whole point of this actually going there is to get the book and not. Well, in the book, they didn't think of it until they are there. And George oh, yeah. mentions it, and then Lockwood is like, oh, wait, we could go to You're the right. library and see if it's there. It's like a spur-of-the-moment plan. Yeah. Yeah. I I was rereading the book on the drive home from America yesterday. <laughs> so, you're welcome. And they, yeah, so narratively, like, he's necessary to be able to navigate into all the places that they need to go. Yes, but... In this, they just have him give them a map with instructions. I love the map. It's so good. It's a good map. Yeah. Mm. And then George makes the super duper intelligent decision of telling Joplin about the bone glass and that they're going to go get it. That is not going to backfire on him at all. (laughs) It's very smart. Oh, I, I should also mention that when George decides not to go, Lockwood does look panicked for a moment because... He's putting, you know, one and one together and getting, oh, it's just the two of us. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You don't think that, yeah. I guess I read that as like he's worried that George will forget and not be there for him, which is like completely unfair to George because he's like a dependable one. No, no, no. It's not that. It's you've just put us in dangerous territory and I just gave her a necklace and oh shit. That's funny. I had not put that together at all, but I think you're bullseye correct. Because Lucy has the same moment when she realizes. Yeah, she does. Yeah, before she gets in the car. Um, and then, yeah, so Lucy comes out, they get in the car. She has the moment where it's like, oh, no, George. And I was like, oh, just the two of us. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then they have the great 
the second music cue of the episode, uh, which is Party Fears 2 by The Associates. And, you know, like you and I, we edit podcasts. We know how easy it is to put an audio cue like exactly where it needs to be. I'm I'm still always impressed. Oh, yeah. This is really good. Yeah. I'm still always impressed when the music is just chef's kiss. Yeah. When I watch this, I'm like, I'm sure this is shot on location. If I knew anything about London, I would be like, I would know this building. It's I feel like it can't be a set or something. Yeah, I too am ignorant. I actually do think that they mentioned it in one of the interviews, like what building they used for the Fitz building, or at least the outside. I don't know about the inside, um, but I have zero ideas. I have, it, It's gone from my brain. <laughs> I love how many old people are here. And then, yeah, and we see the sources on display. Yeah. And we can see the ghosts, but of course the adults cannot see the ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> It's really such a weird move. Yeah. And like when... Uh, when they're talking about in the books, they do just talk about the sources themselves, not the ghosts. So mm-hmm. it seems like, like it is just like they're smaller and like the display cases look more like they're just showing off the sources, not the ghosts. But these ones in the show are literally huge with these huge ghosts in them. And like, it looks cool, but most of the people there cannot see them. <laughs> Yeah, what they see is like a floating dead body without legs and things like that. And they're like, I want another crumpet. Uh, (laughs) It's really weird. It's weird. I mean, they live in a weird world. So I guess that makes sense. But uh... for me, it feels linked to to put these two things together. I feel like there's parallel construction happening where they're like, they went to the mansion where the old men having parties and cigars we're experimenting on the pores and mm-hmm. creating, you know, like eldritch horror mirrors. Um, and then to come to the Fitz place that's full of old people having parties around dead bodies being like, mm-hmm. we sure did, you know, like conquer the shit out of death and make a lot of money off of it, didn't we? And like patting themselves on the back. I feel like this is on purpose to put these two next to each other. Yeah. There's just like so many silver haired people. I love it. And just like adults in general. Like mm-hmm. you would think that there would be more kids. They're like making the food. <laughs> <laughs> They're all back of the house. <laughs> They're not allowed to go to the party. Yeah, you can't go to the party. I do I do miss a line from the book <laughs> where they say they where Lockwood sees Kips and says, Oh, I guess it's not that exclusive if Kips is here. Yeah. <laughs> just because it's so petty. <laughs> I love how much he hates Kips in the books. Kips is their top man. Of course yeah. he's invited. Yeah, of course. And his team. Um, I like the speak of the devil moment with Penelope appearing. Yeah. Uh, I like that they call her the devil. <laughs> and That's good. Lockwood is not totally captured by her aura. We, uh, we just sort of see how Lucy does not mix well with posh people. <laughs> the food the idea of mingling she's just like no that part um when i was watching it with christina she was like (laughs) she eats it she's like why did they make it with without gravy and lockwood's like because this is civilization and that was the biggest laugh christina had in the whole episode (laughs) she was just like cackling 
But that's like the exact energy that me and Christina have. If we go to any party or anything, it's like, why is this thing that's one bite? This isn't food. This is like, I would like to eat something. This is hilarious because uh, I was at a wedding a couple weekends ago and they were like bringing trays around with food on them. And I, I was like, oh, the lamb? Yes. Oh, the shrimp? Yes. I was so excited anytime they came near me. I was like, I will take it all. <laughs> I'm not against like hors d'oeuvres. I'm just like, I would just like, I don't know, a whole plate full of hors d'oeuvres. It would be fine with me. I don't want to eat one thing and then walk around and talk to people and then eat another little bite of food. It's It seems like a complete nightmare to me. I guess I like it at a party where you know a bunch of people. It would it would suck if I didn't know anybody. Yeah, if you walked into a room full of people 40 years older than you, for example, Ugh. with dead bodies hanging on the wall. <laughs> yeah, that would suck. Um, Lucy walks off. And we get our third song of the episode, which is Tears Run Dry by The Flight. Yeah, so The Flight um, helped write the soundtrack, like the original songs for the episode, for the season. Oh, that's cool. A lot of them are them. Yeah, it works really well. Um, is this the moment where she sees Kips? And... Yeah, it sort of starts as she walks away. And, like, we get the overhead camera of her walking through the crowd, which is a great shot. There's a lot of great shots in here. And then, yeah, she sees Kips. And he's, like, smarmy. Ugh. Yeah, he's <laughs> leaning back on the bar, like... And, like, grinning at her. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a leer. I want to sure. wipe that smirk off his face. God. <laughs> There's the, yeah, the the double halo shot when she's coming off the stairs. And yes. at first I thought this was, like, a reverse shot mistake. But then when I watched it more closely, I realized it wasn't. Because they, they walk in through that, um, and they, they walk down the stairs, and I was like, so then she walks down the same stairs again, but it's just she's walking back over the same space to the other side, yeah. where I guess the bar is and stuff. So <clears throat> Lockwood goes deeper into the party, and she kind of retreats, is basically mm -hmm. what I'm saying. And then this was the moment where I was like, where my slow brain finally understood the the plot that was happening because she like swerves away from kips and immediately into penelope and so it was like penelope's like oh you didn't take my kips bait i'm just gonna come directly to you then yeah i love this conversation yeah, with this is penelope good. it is genius writing i'm gonna point out at least one line here that it's going to be spoilers and I'm so like intense spoilers, but it's so good. I have to, I, I, I have to talk about it. So Penelope is wearing the necklace that I was talking about. This is where we see her wearing it again. Mm -hmm. And I assume you wouldn't wear the same necklace from a, a funeral to a party unless it was a special ass <laughs> necklace. So I, you know, and with seeing Marissa wear it in the video, we have to assume that that necklace is the bracelet. Mm -hmm. um, and then Penelope is like, hey, we got rid of Jacobs for you. Yeah, like, that's really, really cool. Really endearing herself to Lucy there. Right. And she genuinely appreciates that too. Yeah. Yeah. And we have Penelope, you know, trying to convince her to join Fitz. And 
Lucy like holding the necklace while thinking about Lockwood and Penelope saying you feel safe with him and she just says we're a team and then Penelope says I know that feeling I had that once and I'm so curious about that line uh because it it gives that maybe we're gonna get more backstory than we got in the books Mm -hmm. and I'm very interested in where they were taking that thread and I would like to get a fucking season two <laughs> so that we can have that. I really, yeah, I really like everything that the actress brings to Penelope. Yeah. She has like, there's this real brittleness over a layer of anger, it feels like, about like her public persona, mm-hmm. about Fitz's legacy and her role in that. And... Yeah, about feeling like I was part of a team implies to me that, like, now she feels alone. There, It feels like a real reflection between these two women. Mm-hmm. Like, Penelope can see some of herself in Lucy, but also something about Lucy that is greater than her, that she wants to master about Lucy and control. But, like, I'm... Her mother is literally right behind her in a in a picture and so Mm -hmm. i I feel that energy here that you know we've already made this connection between lucy and her mother that she can speak to type threes and that she has all this power and i I read that penelope has all this anger towards her mother and her mother's legacy and sees another version of her mother standing in front of her that she can now control and you know bring into the fold and like get some kind of psychical revenge, psychological revenge, I should say. That's a great theory. I want to revisit this conversation when you have finished the books. (laughs) Um, And I'm maybe going to put a bit of a, well, I'm going to point out the best line in this whole conversation that again, pointing it out kind of points towards spoilers. Um, but the very last thing Penelope says is, if you ever need to talk, I'm a good listener. And that oh. is a fucking genius line. That, that is, is a good line. so good. Yeah, I hadn't caught the double entendre of that, but that is yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this scene is perfection, I think. Yeah, it's they are so good. I want to see 10 more scenes, just the two of them. Yeah. And then Lucy reaches for the necklace again, and Lockwood comes back. Mm-hmm. And immediately knows Penelope was trying to steal Lucy from him. Yeah, this is where he can't take it anymore. He's mm-hmm. like really freaking out. I mean, who wouldn't? It's Penelope Fitz. You yeah. know, like who would say no to her? And he's he's like, I can't compete with all this. I, he's like, <laughs> he's all emasculated. He's like, this, look at this place. It's amazing. I am. Who am I? I am nothing. Maybe he needed that a little bit, though. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. I don't mind Lockwood being taken down a peg he's doing really good though for like making space for her listening to her doing what she says yeah absolutely uh but i do love even if it is kind of the wrong time since they're on a covert mission i do love that they just stop and talk about everything here and that it's not something that the show the show doesn't keep them not communicating if only he would do this when she's like why do you want to go kill yourself in a torture chamber of like (laughs) murderous maniacs yeah 
But yeah, no, Lucy tells them that Kip's, you know, Kip's and Penelope offered her a job and that Kip's asked her out. <laughs> Lockwood just look, says, like, a date? <laughs> her reply is like, yeah, that's what people do, you know. It's so good. Um, and then, of course, Lucy just says, I turned him down. Though I, she is specifically talking about the job, but mm-hmm. I think you can assume it's both. And I just like that she just, she does not try to play it cool. She's just like, look, Portland Road is my home. You and George, I'm not going anywhere. It's It feels so good, though, where she talks about, like, the smell of burnt toast and, like, I can't be in this place. Get real. Like, Yeah. I do want to mention just before I forget, because I, I specifically didn't write it down so that I wouldn't spoil too many things about future books. Um, there are two really great lines in this episode that foreshadow some good book three stuff Mm -hmm. and it's just good writing and just really goes to show how they plan to do it all you know and it sucks Uh, same with the conversation with penelope really setting all those through threads yeah no you can feel it um i specifically only read the first two books so that I could notice things like this. Like I can feel them when there's foreshadowing in the shows, like when things are different, but they feel weighted in a way that is different than like George not coming here. That's like a different kind of choice than when Penelope, this whole conversation with Penelope feels totally loaded in a different way. (sighs) I just want more. It's terrible. (laughs) Soon. Hopefully. Hopefully. Briefly, we see George packing up to meet them later, and we see Skull spying on him from between his tea cloth. <laughs> he's, he's been watching the whole show. Uh, and then they break into the library, and that all goes well. And I'm really glad that they painted the walls black, because, like, why is it called the Black Library? What? Oh, yeah. What, you know, like, is it named after some? But why wouldn't it just be the Fitz Library? But, There's a really... Well, okay, so I assume... Yeah, I guess... I assume that that means there's multiple libraries in the Fitz compound. And this one has the, is the one with black walls. So everybody calls it the black, the black library. Library. Yeah. Yeah. There's also like a giant black book that Lockwood leaves the map by. Um, That's, it's hard to read the title. It's like the dictionary of something or something. Oh, interesting. I like all the artifacts in here. It's very creepy little library. This is not how I imagined the library from the no book. it's not how i imagined it at all i yeah. i imagined more of a library yeah a much bigger yeah. space than this yeah but this but it actually like private libraries are a little bit more like this where the and this is like a whole thing in academia too where they'll there'll be books that you can't get a hold of in the university system and stuff and this is like a little bit better now in the digital age but still happens where there's like exclusive tiny libraries held by rich people that you have to like really wine and dine those people to be able to read a book, you know, in their fucking, you know, like little tiny bookcase of stuff. That's like 300 year old books that yeah. there's no other copy of it. Uh, the dream. Right. <laughs> and then there's all kinds of like other knickknacks under glass. And I assume it's like, silver glass and these things are dangerous uh who knows but a bunch of them have that harp on them Mm -hmm. 
that uh, that Guinness is on the goggles. Yeah. yeah, the Guinness. <laughs> it is like a completely different type of harp it than is, Guinness's yeah. harp. Yeah. Um, which is interesting that they're there. Uh, and then they find Mary Dulac's book, but are interrupted by Penelope Fitz and a man with the most fake-sounding, pretentious accent. His voice alone makes me want to punch him in the face. Like, My note is <sighs> she is talking to a pirate, maybe? Yeah, but like a pretentious one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a fancy <laughs> pirate. I am so interested in the choice with this guy like because the person who i think he is supposed to be from the books is not the same person who was in the library with, oh no not with at penelope all. in this scene yeah so like <laughs> it's the fact that she gives him the thing makes no sense oh Why, yeah what is he gonna do with that i <laughs> whatever yeah they might be conflating characters or winnowing things down they definitely smooshed some people here but i (laughs) whatever this is another thing that feels yeah from reading the books only the first two books and then watching the show this is another the all of these devices and this character i was like oh this is clearly like the uber five book arc we're dealing with you know like other elements of the story we're seeding things and that that's how it felt to me. Yeah. I do like that this pirate finds the treasure map though. Like I enjoy uh, yes. <laughs> all of that energy. He's the only guy in this place who has a sword at his hip at this party. I don't even think that Kips does. No, he doesn't, which is interesting because yeah. in the books they did, the agents were allowed to bring their rapiers. Right. Yeah. Oh, and then after she, they have their conversation, um, where they do seem to talk about a different group of people who Penelope is their inspiration, which is an interesting point. Um, she says he is somewhere more exciting to me. And I was like, oh, where could that be? Possibly an auction? Yeah, right. Um, I actually kind of dislike what they do here and hat because in the book, they got away with this. You yeah, know, it was very I, clean. Yeah. And I do think sometimes it's important to let your main characters be competent and get away with things. In the book, they like rolled a 20 and here they rolled a five or something. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it gives it gives a nice through line of like Lockwood versus the Golden Blade dude. So so that's good, you know, from here until the end. Yeah. But it, I, I don't know, I just wish, it doesn't make sense to me because he, he finds them, obviously, and... They throw some things at him and get away. And then we actually, they play the Party Fears 2 song again as they run away, which is good. Yeah. Um, but but he know like, they know he saw them and that they are very, rec- like, Lucy's in that blue dress. She's going to be, he's going to be able to describe them to Penelope. And I'm and, sure there's surveillance and stuff that once yeah. he tells them, like, look at who this is, it's going to be really obvious what happened. And for, so why wouldn't yeah. Lockwood, and, like, I can absolutely understand that Penelope wouldn't would you know pretend that she doesn't know but Lockwood and Lucy would know that she does mm-hmm. yeah it's it's weird it is purely to set up this rivalry I feel like between yeah Lockwood and the and this pirate uh he's not a pirate I'm gonna keep calling him that though um yeah. I I do like that books are stronger than swords um oh yeah it's weird <laughs> I like the 
Lucy gets in this awesome kick move that she does where she like kicks mm-hmm. a chair across the room or something. Yep. She looks extremely cool doing it. And uh, yeah, they run Yeah, it's away. nice that they give Lucy a moment to look cool. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, and I do love how we, when they're running away and Lockwood comes up with the plan to pull the alarm, We there's two moments where we see Kips watching them. And I thought that that was good. Yeah, yeah. Kips knows they're up to something. They're on to something that he his team is like behind because they could have yes. gotten this thing, but they yeah, don't anytime. even know it exists. Yeah, and uh, and they're getting away with it. It's also I noticed like the energy that Lucy has here, where she she doesn't seem scared. She seems like excited, like almost like she's having fun. But they're like closing in, and she's like, "What are we gonna do?" And Lockwood's like, "I have a plan." Uh, yeah. Suddenly, I and I love the twist on the good old pull the fire alarm th- thing. Yeah, and like this, like again, it's, so is, good. it's a very clean bookend for the episode because this is mm-hmm. how the episode started in yes. their home, uh, and it ends the same way in the Fitz place. Yeah, it it, it also just looks really cool, and the lighting's yeah. good, and of course, uh, Lockwood has to stop for a moment. Just to be cool. <laughs> right. Get a line in. There's also like a very cool thing going on with the sound that I love mm-hmm. where everything, this is almost like romantic to me, where everything else in the sound mix becomes like kind of occluded, even the even the song, all the people rushing around and the yelling and stuff. But their sound between the two of them is extremely clean. Yep. And so it makes them feel very together to me and almost like in a dreamlike, especially with the way that the salt is moving in slow motion and the lighting mm-hmm. changes and all that stuff. It's it's weirdly romantic and fun. And it, it just comes together for a really good scene. And it, as much as I think Lockwood's final line here is kind of cheesy, it works. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I don't know. I like cheese, I guess. I don't know. I suffer from intense secondhand embarrassment. Oh, yeah, I so don't like care I about could, that. I could never do. Like sometimes when people do things, I could never do. I'm just like, oh, it hurts <laughs> me emotionally. Um, but I don't know. I still like. It's a good moment. It's very Lockwood of him. I, f- I feel like it's it's very book Lockwood of him too. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. be like, oh, come over here and have a moment with me. Right. You have to be cool. We stand at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. Luckily, no one knocks into them. Yeah, of course. Um, and in a smooth transition, that for me is my most punk rock moment. Lockwood pausing for a moment on the way out. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. And Lockwood finally gets some cred from you. Yeah, from uh, me. I want to kind of give it to Skull for like constantly trying to get out of the bottle. Um Oh, you know what? I like that. I never think about Skull that way. Yeah, because he's just really, he's like, to him, Lockwood and Co. are the man. They're keeping him down, literally keeping him (laughs) bottled up. Yeah. He just wants to get out. I'll give it to Skull. He's never going to have another chance, I feel like. Oh, no, he does. Well, in the books, he does. Oh, yeah. I mean, for the the show. Yeah, I guess in the show, he doesn't. Because we're not getting any more, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. As as you can tell from 
the things I've said in just this last hour and a half or whatever that we've been recording, I go back and forth on the hope versus no hope thing a lot. <laughs> I feel like they're working hard to make it happen over at Complete Fiction. I I don't I just, have hope for the Netflix connection. I don't think that they care oh, about no, it. No, I don't I don't think Netflix would go back on the on a decision. Yeah. But maybe that's just me cuz I'm spiteful, so I assume everyone else is too. <laughs> I just don't think it's their business model. I think they just want to have as many IP touchstones as possible and they're not interested in cultivating yeah. you know like multiple season things they just like we have the adams family and we have winks and we have lockwood and code and we have blah 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 that that's what how they see it is like just have a lot of eggs and don't grow them up into chickens they don't care i will say um if a random video i saw on tiktok is to be believed next week in north america anyways is when networks are presenting what their like broadcasting schedule is going to be to advertisers. Mm. Oh yeah, for fall and for yeah, fall. for next year, uh, December. So yeah, we might get news depending on like if a broadcasting network has picked it up. Mm-hmm. It, I, I, it's a, and again, that's North America. I don't know. England has a completely different system, I think, than North American broadcasting. So I don't know. We might get news then. It's a thing. So if you would like to chat with us or tell us how wrong we are or point out anything that we missed, uh, you can do so on Twitter at Lockwood Podcast, or you can follow me personally on Twitter at Inferior Caitlin. Is Twitter going to be here in a week? Who knows? Maybe we'll all be on threads by then. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) The world is a weird place. Yeah, they keep turning the tap off over there at Twitter. Yeah, Jesus. (laughs) If you'd like to send us an email... You can do that contact at hollowedgroundmedia.com or go to our contact page at hollowedgroundmedia.com slash contact. And remember, the sluttiest thing a man can do. Welcome to The Problem, a Lockwood & Co. podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm Alan. And today we are talking about the sixth episode, You Never Asked, which was directed by Catherine Morshed and written by Joy... <sighs> Jesus. So close. <clears throat> it's right there. <laughs> I was literally thinking, oh, the same names as last week. This will be easy. <laughs> Anyways, what was I saying? Uh, yeah. Um, the book, the timing. Oh, oh fuck. I don't know if this is going to work in the editing. <laughs> um, you've just put us in dangerous territory, and I just gave her a necklace and oh shit. That's funny. I had not put that together at all, but I think you're bullseye correct. Because Lucy has the same moment when she realizes. Yeah, she does. Yeah, before she gets in the car. <coughs> Sorry, my tea attacked. <clears throat> okay. 
is it flow breaking into the house she doesn't break in but she still has the key but that's not punk rock at all and it's like retroactively me just trying to give flow credit that's uh, fair because she should have had it last time and i failed um (laughs) all right so that's i know how to do an outro (laughs) i've done this before yep and remember the sluttiest thing a man can do. (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) That's good.